We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google play tune in stitcher or spotify and of course you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by both of my co-hosts this week, Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday show. It's good to be back with both of you guys this week. How are we doing? Yeah, it's good to be back. I finally got a week off. It's finally, good, but yeah. I just I just wanted to get back and talk Packers. And, of course, we have this huge breaking news from today. Packers made a roster transaction, and they went out and they signed tight end Sal Canella formerly of the University of Auburn, and also the USFL's New Orleans Breakers. Mm. So, breaker this news down, Maggie. Um, I thought the, the team was the windbreakers. <laughs> Not a really good person to be, <laughs> to be breaking down uh, the USFL. But no, he's got a, I think it was like a 7.61 RAS. He looks pretty athletic. If you saw his card from uh, Math Bomb, he's one of those cards. It's like entirely yellow. Mm. So nothing that he's really a lead at, but some of his tape looks kind of fun. And, you know, we know the Packers tight end room is kind of wide open at the bottom. So who knows? Yeah, like, and and he's going to wear number 80. So shout out Justin Perillo. <laughs> Um, but but like there's always a tight end who makes the roster that you're not necessarily anticipating right like a dominique daphne type and mm. so you know hey give him a shot in training camp see see what he's like and maybe he can catch on and um make something happen in the preseason i will never not call him sal manila it's just going to happen every <laughs> single time that i go to talk about him um but on a serious note you guys, you dig into the comments a little bit, and Saints fans actually wanted this guy. You know, from being local there um, with with the Breakers, of course, we've all watched on our televisions thoroughly. Um, it sounds like locally they kind of knew that there was some buzz around this guy, and they wanted to see him as a Saint. So uh, maybe the Packers will get a diamond in the rough here, and uh, uh, welcome to Green Bay, Mr. Sal Canella. They've already got Tyler Davis, so this whole tight end thing is is pretty stacked as far as the underdogs that Packers fans now want to see on the roster. 
Yeah. And oh, one other piece of breaking news. It it, it appears Brian Balaga is in Green Bay. <laughs> um, and you guys totally dashed my hopes before the show got started. So do you want to talk about that for a moment? It sounds like you do, so maybe we will. Um, yes, Brian Balaga has been in Green Bay. It sounds like uh, he's making posts there on his Instagram that he's he's local. But uh, uh, Maggie, you said you had some scoop on this maybe, maybe a reason that he may be in Green Bay. I mean, it wasn't my scoop, but I do know that the soccer game is this weekend at Lambeau and Brian Malaga, which I've been told by Andrew, if you're from Iowa, you cannot be a soccer fan. But apparently <laughs> Brian Malaga is a huge soccer fan, and that would make sense as to why he's coming back to Lambeau. But mm-hmm. while he's there, you know, if the Packers want to give him a workout, I'm sure some fans would really enjoy that. Mm. I mean, you are making fun of me for saying that about Iowa, but then you said soccer game. So, you know. To all my football heads out there, I <laughs> apologize for Maggie. I am uh, out of the Whatever. loop. Is it a soccer match? Is that what we should that, be calling That is this? correct. Okay. I'm, I'm at least glad I could guess at what I wouldn't have been aware of. So, uh, But yeah, apparently Brian Belaga, <laughs> in all his time in the state of Iowa, did fall in love with soccer at some point. So we'll keep you posted here on the Packaday Podcast if something develops. And this is more than a love for soccer. Obviously, the Packers could have a little bit of a need there at tackle, at least early on in the season. But let's keep our, our grounding under us and maybe maybe jump into a little bit more here. What do you guys say? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So we got a little bit of a fun show concept for us tonight, and it's very similar to one we've had recently. We've spent the last several weeks focusing on what the Packers 2022 opponents did this offseason. We've put all 14 of them under the microscope, and we talked about their free agent additions and subtractions, their draft picks, and then discussed whether or not they got better or worse during the offseason. But you guys know what we haven't done yet. We haven't asked the same question for our Green Bay Packers. I mean, right, sure, we've talked about them at nauseum probably, right? This is our thing. We talked about their draft picks. We talked about their offseason moves. Andrew, Maggie, and myself were actually even with you all on draft night to talk about Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. But we haven't really taken a step back, analyzed each and every move that the Packers have made this offseason, and tried to the best of our ability to make a neutral, unbiased call on whether this team got better or worse this offseason. So that's the show today. We're taking a deep dive into our own Green Bay Packers and we'll be the judge, and you, the listener, have to decide if we were too generous or too harsh in our judgments of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and get us started here with the coaching and front office changes, and holy cow, there is a lot to talk about here. So many changes. You had offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett hired to become the next head coach of the Denver Broncos, brought with him tight ends coach Justin Outen. Um, So he is his offensive coordinator there in Denver. Quarterbacks coach Luke Getze went to Chicago to be the new offensive coordinator for Matt Everflus. And then Mo Drayton was relieved of his duties as Green Bay special teams coordinator. So then for the additions, Adam Stenovich was promoted uh, from the offensive line coach and run game coordinator to become the offensive coordinator for the Packers. Jason Vrabel is now the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. Luke Butkus replaces Steno as the offensive line coach. Tom Clemens, former quarterbacks coach for Aaron Rodgers, comes back to fill that vacancy left by Getze and to hopefully help Aaron Rodgers get another ring. That's kind of what he talked about in his introductory presser. 
John Dunn becomes the tight ends coach. Defensively, Joe Barry remains as the defensive coordinator. Mike Smith left for the Vikings. We talked about that, of course, to be their outside linebackers coach. So Jason Rebervich was hired to replace him. Ryan Downard received a promotion, moving from assistant defensive backs coach to safeties coach. Take a breath. Finally, <laughs> Rich Passaccia was brought in to replace Mo Drayton as the special teams coordinator. He brought with him 20 years of NFL coaching experience, including his most recent stint as the interim head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders. He was also the special teams coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they won Super Bowl 37. And coincidentally, that timeline overlaps, of course, with Joe Barry, who was the inside linebackers coach for that same Super Bowl squad. Yeah, so a lot of movement there in uh, the coaching staff. It'll be really fun to see how this group comes together. Um, some exciting moves there, I think. But free agency brought a lot of change for the Packers, uh, some new additions. But let's talk about the losses first here, guys. Uh, Greg, not Greg. We don't have a Greg. We have a Lucas Patrick. <laughs> I don't know where Greg came from. <laughs> Lucas Patrick went to the Chicago Bears along with Equinemia St. Brown um, and then Corey Bajorquez went to the Cleveland Browns. Offensive tackle Billy Turner is out in Denver with Coach Hackett now. Cornerback Isaac Yidam went to the Houston Texans. Dennis Kelly joins the Indianapolis Colts to play tackle there. Wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling is with the Chiefs after a pretty good size payday for him. Uh, defensive lineman Tyler Lancaster is with the Raiders. Edge Zedaria Smith with the Minnesota Vikings, along with Chandon Sullivan, also joining him there in Minnesota. They are, of course, with Mike Smith and Mike Patton. Safety Henry Black, uh, New York Giant now. And then linebacker Oren Burks, uh, the special teams ace for the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, we got to mention Kevin King is still <laughs> out there as an unsigned free agent, just lingering, waiting to upset Packer fans everywhere. Would low-key be a great pickup at this point. But guys, there was something else that happened as a departure in kind of a maybe unconventional way, an unexpected way for sure. I don't know if you guys heard this, but Devontae Adams was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders for a first and second round pick. Um, made the news. I don't know if you heard. So what do you guys think of the Devontae Adams departure and how does that really, I mean, shape this offseason what the Packers did? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, like, that's going to be the big news, right? The, the When when you reevaluate, when you listen to the national pundits, all they're talking about is the Packers have replaced Devontae Adams. They didn't do anything to do that. And and, and that, there's some fairness to that. But the Packers quietly got their depth really beat up, and that's what I'm focused on. You know, Billy Turner and MBS are bigger losses than people are going to admit or acknowledge. But then you have players like Dennis Kelly, Tyler Lancaster, Shannon Sullivan, Henry Black that really hurt the depth of the team. And we know a couple of injuries can really change a team's outlook on the season. So so lacking in that depth coming out of free agency, certainly not ideal. And I, I think that's bigger than what people are talking about. Yeah, Perry and I actually just talked about that on PAX, what she said, but I hadn't really realized kind of going back through the numbers that 
Henry Black had played in all 17 games for the Packers in 2021, knew that he was on the field, didn't realize that he was in every single game for them. And, you know, obviously Green Bay didn't value him enough to keep him around, but he really was that third safety in Barry's dime defense. And that's a spot that's now entirely up for grabs. Oren Burks also, of course, was a core special teamer. And, you know, it's kind of hard to be sad, I guess, when core special teams guys leave after the way that that unit performed these last couple of years. But absolutely, Andrew's right. There's a lot of depth pieces now that are kind of up for grabs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so the Adams departure certainly does sting and has implications all over this roster, but the money that was freed up from not paying Adams that massive deal really did allow the Packers to bring back some guys that most assumed were probably on their way out. So some notable names, cornerback Rasul Douglas, back with the Packers, linebacker Devondre Campbell, back with the Packers, tight end Robert Tunyon, also back in Green Bay. So some big additions that people didn't think were going to be around this year. Yeah, and in addition to those three players that the Packers were able to hang on to, they they did have a, a, a few additions uh, coming from outside of the organization, and that includes punter Pat O'Donnell, defensive lineman Jaron Reed, wide receiver Sammy Watkins, and then cornerback Keyshawn Nixon. And I think the Packers quietly had a really good group of additions with uh, like very finite resources available to them. And so Jaron Reed has a chance to be a big part of this defensive line group going from a weakness to a legitimate strength on this team. Sammy Watkins could be a number one wide receiver if healthy. And I, I know that that sounds totally insane, uh, probably for two reasons. One, he's never really been a true number one wide receiver outside of maybe his rookie year in Buffalo. Um, and he's never been healthy. But he still has that ability. And there have been times in his career where he has been very, very good. And I think if he can just stay on the field, he has that veteran experience. And developing that relationship with Aaron Rodgers could really help see some of that draft potential that's still there. Um, You know, I mean, we saw that in, in flashes in Kansas City. And it's not like he just lost all of that. I think Pat O'Donnell is the best punter the Packers have had in several years. And I think he is also... Uh, in, in the same time, going to improve Mason Crosby's performance because he's just a more consistent holder than what he, what Mason has had. And then Keyshawn Nixon has a chance to be that designated special teamer on this roster. That could be a really, really valuable role. 
Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that if the Packers didn't make any of those four additions, we'd still kind of view these re-signings as an overall net positive for Green Bay. Obviously, you know, Douglas and Campbell were the priorities, as they should be. But then you add to that the fact that Green Bay was able to add a new punter. They got a core special teamer who's familiar with Rich Passaccia already in his unit. You get an immediate impact defensive lineman and a former first-round wide receiver. Um, And it says a lot about, I think, the shape that the roster was kind of already in. The fact that the Packers felt that they could make some of these additions without, like Andrew said, breaking the bank. They didn't have a ton of money to spend, so they prioritized their re-signings and then went out and found some value as far as their additions were concerned. So I'm curious to see what kind of contributions these four guys make, but I think their numbers are going to impress people as far as how much they actually do play and how much they impact. Yeah, lots of stuff that will be fun to see how big of a role those guys play into the season. But the Packers did uh, have a pretty good-sized draft class this year. And so uh, in the first round, they selected Quay Walker at 22 overall. Devontae Wyatt there. They, of course, had the second first-round pick. Uh, They took Devontae Wyatt at 28 overall. And then had some fun in the second round trading up with the Vikings for Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of North Dakota State. Sean Ryan from UCLA, the offensive lineman, goes in the third round. Romeo Dubs, or Dobbs, depending, I still don't know, um, from from Nevada uh, in the fourth round. Zach Tom, the offensive lineman from Wake Forest. We've got Kingsley Enigbare from South Carolina, the edge defender. And then Tariq Carpenter. We've got a run of four seventh-round picks here. Tariq Carpenter, the first, out of Georgia Tech, is a safety linebacker hybrid. Jonathan Ford, the defensive lineman from Miami. Rashid Walker, the offensive lineman from Penn State. And Samari Toure is your final addition as another wide receiver out of Nebraska. So the Packers make a total of 11 selections in this class. They went heavy on the defensive additions early with two first-round picks out of Georgia. And then they pivoted to answer the call to address offense with their next four selections. So a really fun class. It was kind of shocking to watch it unfold, especially on Thursday night. A couple of somewhat unpredictable selections in Quay and Wyatt. But I think this could really be a monster class for Green Bay when we look back at it in three years. Yeah, I really liked this draft class and it was just it was just solid. I don't know how else to describe it. It was a solid draft from top to bottom. Walker and Wyatt will see immediate impact, you know, reps at their positions, but they won't need to come in as day one starters. The same goes for Christian Watson. He'll have plenty of opportunities, but I don't think the expectation is necessarily that he'll come in and be that day one starter. Packers bolstered their depth along the offensive line with Jenkins out for the start of the season. You know, that right tackle spot is potentially up for grabs. Guys like Lucas Patrick leaving, kind of that Swiss Army knife on the interior. So there's those interior depth positions available. Loved Dobbs pre-draft, and I love him even more paired with Watson as the future of that wide receiver room. I'm excited about Tariq Carpenter as a hybrid inside linebacker safety. We just talked about the fact that, you know, Henry Black's departure means that there's a safety three spot up for grabs behind Savage and Amos. And then Enigbari will honestly have an opportunity to come in as edge three right away. So no complaints really for me with this 2022 class. Um, We of course won't know how these picks will pan out for the next couple of years, but I think, you know, at least now this one looks promising from Goot. Yeah. And one of the things as I was reflecting upon this is I realized I never even took a look at where the 
players that the Packers picked fell in my own personal rankings uh, because I was kind of busy like packing up and moving across the country immediately after the draft this year. So this was a cool opportunity for me to really sit down and take a look at it. And um, this is where I had the Packers selections on on my board. I had uh, wide receiver Christian Watson at 22 overall. Um, defense alignment Devontae Wyatt at 25 overall. Quay Walker, the linebacker, at 74. So I know, like, oof. Um, and then uh, Sean Ryan, offense alignment, 91. Kingsley Inigbare was 92. Zach Tom was player 106. Rashid Walker, 115. Romeo Dubs, 116. So, I mean, essentially, if you take a look, the Packers had four picks in the first 92 overall selections. I had five different players that the Packers got out of that in my top 92. So that's that's good value. And then actually, the Packers only had four picks in the top 131 picks as well, right? Because there was that big gap between where they picked in the third round and where they picked in the fourth. And I had eight different players in the top 116 that the Packers selected. So I think they got really, really, really fantastic value. And that was spurned largely by what I thought was a really fantastic um, stretch in the middle rounds. And then also a really nice seventh round. And I had not looked at Samari Touré, who I know a lot of people are really high on, um, had not uh, seen uh, Jonathan Ford or Tree Carpenter, and and those are players who have the potential to make some sort of impact, um, whether that be special teams or as a rotational player. So um, really nice draft there. I think they got good value. I think the depth that I talked about that got ate away a little bit in free agency gets replenished through the draft, and that's what exactly what the Packers did. Do I think they hit a ton of home runs? We'll find out, right? Like, you don't know that until you're, you know, maybe halfway through the rookie season, maybe year two or three. But I really do like the prospect types that Goops, that Goops, yeah, <laughs> that Goot keeps going after. Like, just like the, the players he's getting have the ability to be solid contributors. And there's a lot of athletic upside that goes with that. And I think he is doing a fantastic job at providing this coaching staff with the players that they need to plug in some holes, but then also replenish that depth that they're they're looking for. And then, you know, let's just hope that Quay Walker makes me look as dumb as Eric Stokes did this past season. <laughs> well, we do have a track record that we have to continue. So we hope that that is the case. And I'm rooting for Quay Walker, and I'm hoping that Eric Stokes was just a sign of things to come. So I was it. really, really high on AJ Dillon, and it looks like that one's going to work out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Eric Stokes, like I look like an idiot. So there like, you go. You know the, the I, I always hear if if you haven't missed, you haven't scouted, and so um, you know I've got plenty of practice. All right, so we like to be honest Missing on the show. Is. Yeah, yeah. So it's good reflection for us, good good honesty. Um, did the Packers get better or did they get worse? This is the section where we have to, you know, answer the question, uh, what actually happened this offseason and what should our expectations be as we enter this season? And this may be super unpopular, but I think the Packers got slightly worse for this upcoming 2022 season, or at least we may feel a small step back early on in the season. Uh, let me explain before everyone freaks out and, uh, you know, stops listening to the podcast. I think the losses of Devontae Adams, MVS, Billy Turner are pretty significant. And I do think the offense will probably be fine, but I want to be honest that if I'm an opposing defense, I am 
more comfortable facing a team that doesn't have Devontae Adams and the deep threat of MVS like without them, right? This, If you can face a team without those players, you feel a lot better about it. And you're asking a lot of these young offensive linemen that they've brought in to come in and make up for the losses of guys like Billy Turner and the potential of not having maybe Bakhtiari. We don't know. Like those kinds of things. Elton Jenkins out for a little while maybe. It's a tough task. So I do think the offense will have to play differently this coming season. I don't think that that means that they have to be worse. But I do think that they lost some important talent. Uh, but I do think Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur are the perfect pair to go ahead and mask those deficiencies. And I think we'll see a very balanced offense that benefits from spreading the ball around. Now, the flip side of this is the defense, you guys. And we've talked about it a little bit. The fact that the Packers kept the defensive unit intact the way that they did and added two young studs in Wyatt and Quay is just it's unfreaking believable, honestly. And it may take a little while for those young guys to gel and play with confidence, but this talent pool on the defense is really unreal. So while I think this team takes a small step backwards on offense, I think the defense can be really, really special. And I think this team may have some hiccups early on in the season as they try to build that chemistry and communication. But I think the second half of the year is where we're going to see this team come together and may be able to become that dominant force that we hope that they are this season. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit further than even you did, Kyle. And and I'm going to go from like you saying the Packers got slightly worse. So I, I think the Packers got significantly worse, but I think that's OK. Um, I, I think the Rams team last year that just won the Super Bowl was worse than the roster that they had the year before. Um, mm. It doesn't it's not necessarily an indication that they're not going to be as good come January. But um, I do think that they took a step back and and Aaron Rodgers has to be fully committed to play within the system because there probably just isn't a single player on this team who can be trusted to win their route. And so when Rodgers tries to just throw it up like he's comfortable with in Devante on the goal line or um, on some critical third downs, he's going to have to, you know, play within the system. And there's going to be some times when he's either going to have to force a throw a little bit more than he's comfortable with or swallow it. And they're going to have to punt. And I don't think that it's necessarily bad that he's in that situation, but it, you know, I think overall this is a worse roster on paper. Now, are they still the favorite to win the North? Absolutely. Are they still one of the better teams in the NFC? Yes. I just thought that they were the most talented team in the league last year, and they didn't live up to that in the playoffs. And I, I think, you know, the roster's a little bit, well, uh, more than a little bit worse this time around. Um, but I'm expecting Green Bay to have one of the best defenses in all football. And I think the goal for their offense is to eventually be a good offense. I don't think they're going to be great. Um, but if they can bypass just being like bad, mediocre, average, um, I think it comes down to them now having a roster that is better built for being successful in January when the time comes. So I'm on my own here, but I actually think that the Packers may have gotten better. And I know that that sounds really weird when you're losing an all pro wide receiver like Devontae Adams in free agency, but you know, in that loss, the Packers were able to bring back two core pieces of their defense, you know, in Devondre Campbell got his huge deal, and then Rasul Douglas. 
Jair Alexander is coming back healthy after missing almost all of 2021. Robert Tunyon should be back healthy for a good chunk of the season, might not start the season, but was a reliable weapon for Rodgers before he got hurt. You know, we're hoping David Bakhtiari is back to start the season at left tackle. Losing Elton Jenkins is significant, and it's a shame that he probably won't be ready to start this season. You know, but this team has depth at the right places, and I think the draft kind of just reinforced that. Eric Stokes is taking a second-year jump this year. The defensive line was fortified in free agency and the draft. And, you know, I do again want to clarify that there's no way to replace Devontae Adams. That's not what I'm saying. But his, I mean, his loss will be felt on offense regardless. But the way that I think Matt LaFleur intends to spread the ball around and, you know, what we've seen him do in the past, I'm confident in the guys like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon that they can continue to step up in a big way while young guys like Watson and Dobbs develop behind Lazard and Cobb. And you add in a a fun player like Sammy Watkins, who might find some type of career rejuvenation with Rodgers and Lafleur. And, you know, we just, we talked about it in the beginning of this series that the NFC North got weaker. And I think we all agree, of course, that the Packers will pretty easily walk into the playoffs winning the NFC North. But I think the debate we're having now is, what they did to the roster, is it good enough to be able to capitalize on the opportunities that they'll have once they actually get to January? So we don't often disagree on the podcast. So I just wanted to like speak into this really quickly before we close (laughs) out the show, because it really, I mean, there's some disagreement, but I think we're all kind of seeing the same things and maybe communicating those things differently. And one thing I love Maggie's highlighting the optimism here isn't just, you know, blind optimism. For me, I was trying to figure out how to verbalize this. Uh, I think that there's a chance that the Packers got a lot better in 2023. And we don't know if Rodgers is going to play that season or not. Yeah. And that's a big, big domino that has to fall. But if the Packers can figure out 2022, I think chemistry is a big deal. I think getting all the young receivers up to speed is a big deal. But if they can use 2022 in that way and find some success, then once all those pieces are clicking and the defense is gelled, I mean, all there's a, not a lot of players that are going to depart going into that 2023 season. And I think that that's where you have to look at it and say, man, this team could be good, not just in 2022. They could be great in 2023. Yeah, and I think Maggie's point, if, if, if you have a healthy Jair, Tunyon, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, that more than makes up for, for not yeah. having Devontae Adams. And yeah. so I, I think I think there is room for a lot of optimism there. And, and I, I do really like that perspective. So this is the part of the show where normally I would tell you what the teams that we just went over are playing the Packers on schedule. But uh, we talked about the Packers today, so no such luck. But I thought that it would be at least interesting because I haven't looked at the preseason schedule hardly at all, um, at least (laughs) not since the schedule release, to just take a look at that. Because can you believe this? We're going to be talking about training camp next week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild how crazy this, how crazy fast this offseason has gone. Um, But the Packers preseason matchups, uh, for 2022, they play at San Francisco against the 49ers on Friday, August 12th. Kind of interesting, you know, a, a bitter conference opponent uh, <laughs> trying to get some retribution <laughs> for that playoff loss, maybe. Um, obviously, Yikes. some connections there with Matt LaFleur. Uh, but that's going to be on Friday, August 12th at 5.30 p.m. Central. You have the New Orleans Saints at Green Bay on Friday, August 19th at 5 p.m. So two Friday 
early evening games. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Packers are at the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday, August 25th. That'll be a late night for the three of us uh, at 5 p.m. Central Time. So um, all three preseason games with 5 or 5.30 p.m. Central kickoffs. Uh, that's interesting. Get those games done early um, and and uh, a little bit of back and forth, two away games, one home um, and then wrapping up, of course, on August 25th. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. Maggie is at Maggie J. Loney and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back bringing down training camp. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Go, go, go.